Church of Christ. On this inclement weather day, most of you are joining us by live stream and we welcome you. Uh, in our song service today, Brother Jordan Coates is going to be leading us. Uh, Brother Drew Bruce will have our opening prayer. Uh, then uh, Brother Ken Forrest has the lesson for today. Brother Jeremy Jones will uh, coordinate our observance of the Lord's Supper and then I'll have some announcements as the end of services. Will you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your blessings. Uh, we pray for safety during this period of inclement weather. Father, we pray that our focus will be on you and that our worship would be pleasing in your sight. In Christ's name, amen. God is love.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for staying. Thank you for all your many blessings you give us. We want to thank you for having this time we can come together online or at the church here and worship you, Lord. We ask you to be with us at the start of this week as we have this weather, Lord. Let us all be safe and be prepared for whatever comes, Lord. I ask you to be with everyone that's on the road and ask to be on the road this early this week. As let them be safe. And uh, I ask you to be with us as we go out through the week and uh, help us shine your light th through the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Some before our lesson this morning will be If That Isn't Love. today in that now the weather has complicated our gathering together, but we are not deterred, not in the least, and just as we have done before, we will continue to do, whether we can meet together physically as a family or we have to do it spiritually, as in this case, remotely, we're going to do it because we're going to worship our God in spirit and in truth together through whatever means are possible. So I'm thankful that we still have this avenue that we can gather, at least in this way. I'm also 
I guess, interested that here we are again, after several years, meeting on the first day of the week on a Valentine's Day. And it is my hope and prayer that you'll use this day as a celebration of your relationships, especially I think about our married couples and the examples that they set. The church is already known for its love and its celebration of love, one member for another. And that expression of love is intensified in a family as the parents love one another in a state of matrimony. And the children, if God will bless that couple with children, see that expression of love lived out before them. They learn about love from their parents and then they grow into adults and are able to continue that generation after generation. I hope that you're enjoying that level of love and today is a kind of celebration for that. We had an 8.30 gathering and in that gathering there was a lot of red out there in the congregation. People celebrating outwardly at least a day that is usually set aside for us to think about our loved ones. Today we're going to kind of dovetail that. We're going to think about love as well. We're going to be studying from the book of the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. And we'll be looking at two verses out of that text, verses 6 and 7. Before we start our study, though, let's pray to God that he'll bless us in that endeavor. Please bow with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing of a new day and for the privilege and opportunity it is for us to be able to study your word together. Father, it is a time of worship for us. and We're already engaged in that, and we have done our very best to celebrate you and to lift you up as the great God that you are and to honor you. And now, Father, as we embark upon a study of your word, I pray that you will continue to feel that exaltation and know that we love you to a tremendous degree. As our text will reveal for us, we love you as strongly as uh, death and the power of death. We love you with an intensity that is like a vehement flame of fire. And we count this love as a tremendous treasure. And Father, we just pray that you will accept the intent of our hearts and determination that we have not, not only to serve you, but to serve you from the standpoint of an intense love for you. Father, I pray that you'll be with us, that you'll help me to communicate your great truths in a simple, understandable way. And I pray for our hearers that they can benefit from this study, that it will promote worship and the glorifying of you. Thank you for your word that is the vehicle for that worship. In Jesus' name, amen. So this text starts off with really what seems to be kind of an archaic idea. It says to set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. I don't know how often you have actually studied the Song of Solomon. It is a part of a beautiful section of scripture that we consider to be poetic. It includes things like the Psalms and the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. The book of Job is even lumped in there. But the Song of Solomon seems to be the one that, I don't know, we, we, we just don't dig into that much. Maybe it's because we're uncertain about what's being talked about in that text. Uncertain about who exactly is talking, at what point, uh, what is under consideration. There is a, a little bit of disjointedness in the descriptions that are given there, the, the narrative, the discussions that take place. And sometimes maybe we're confused about that. Or it seems to be a metaphor for something else. Uh, looking toward another thing. We don't know if it's just God's love for his nation Israel. Is that what's being talked about there? Is it foreshadowing the love that would exist between Christ and his church? Is it only talking about married love? 
all kinds of teachings have come out of this text or group of texts that are beneficial to us, but sometimes we, I don't know, we just shy away from it because of our uncertainties. We're going to look at just two verses out of this text that I think are, are pretty clear. These verses have to do with the intensity of love, especially of one toward another. Now, what we're going to do is consider it just as it was literally described. That is, the Shulamite and her love for her beloved. But you and I, as members of the Lord's body, the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, you cannot help but see in this text the description of an intensity of love so great that it is one of those loves reserved for the kind of love that we might have a spouse to their spouse or of the church to Christ, the bride to the husband, Jesus Christ. So we're, we're going to be looking at some of those ideas. Now, I, I love, I said it was archaic. I, I love the expression that's given here that the, the Shulamite was saying, I, I, I'm giving myself as a seal upon your heart. I, I want to be this seal upon your arm. Uh, you probably, if you're married, you received a wedding ring on your marry, uh, marriage day. And maybe the officiant took the ring and made some observations about the ring. I know when I do a wedding, I, I will notice a couple of things about the ring before I actually have them place it on the finger of their beloved. I notice immediately that it's round, it's circular, it has no beginning and no end to it, which of course is symbolic of the eternal nature of love. And we want to celebrate that in a marriage because when the two become one flesh, they're being joined by God for a lifetime together until death do they part. And then the second thing I usually notice is that the ring's made of some kind of, of precious metal. More often than not, it's gold, but it might be, it might be something else. But, but the point of that is that the precious nature of that material reminds us of just how precious this union is, the commitment that's being made the one to the other. Now here, the, the Shulamite is saying to her beloved, look, I, I want to be that. You know, I want to be a seal upon your heart. I want to be a seal upon your arm. That could have been displayed as, as like a, a signet, um, maybe like a necklace around the neck, or it actually could have been a signet on the arm. However, that was manifested. The idea was, look, I, I want to be yours. You know, I want to be one with you. And I am making a commitment by my expression of humility and the emptying of myself to be joined with you so that we can be husband and wife. Now those sentiments, the idea of giving oneself to the other and of the ultimate expression of that love is what we want to tap into this morning. Because as much as this could be just the expression of a husband and wife and their love together or God in Israel or Christ in his church, the fact remains that you and I as the church, as the bride of Christ, Oh, so much to Jesus. And it is in the expression of love toward him that we give the very utmost in terms of our devotion and our sacrifice toward him. So I want to think about what love is as it's described in the following phrases of this text. One thing we'll notice is that love is as strong as death, <laughs> as strong as death. He says love, or she says, love is as strong as death. Jealousy, as strong as the grave. Love is as strong as death. <laughs> Could she think of something a little more romantic than to compare love and death? And, you know, I, I guess there are a lot of things that you could say about love that would be more akin to a romantic expression. 
But what's being said right here, really by experience, is absolutely true about love. Now, now here's some things about death. Death is, it's irresistible in that no matter how I live and no matter how I hold on to life, eventually I'm going to fall into death. It's a certainty. Death is final. And once one makes a commitment to death, I mean, it's over. We are locked in. Now, I hope you see there's some tremendous parallels there with what love is. And we're, we're not talking about just, you know, that pedestrian sense of love where we're just kind of in and out of relationships. That, that's not what this text is about. This text is about an absolute 100% commitment to another person. So the idea is, yes, when that kind of love exists, that, that true sense of love, it is irresistible. It is something that once I'm in it, I, I, cannot, I cannot loose myself from it. It is of an intense nature that I'm just, I'm bound like cement. And he says, jealousy, as cruel as the grave. And again, once death occurs, once one enters into the realm of the dead, there's, there's no return. And he says, the sense of jealousy connected with love is just like that. It is ironclad. And you say, well, now, now jealousy, that, that often has a negative connotation with it. And it might be if the sense is I'm jealous of someone. But what's being described here is a sense of jealousy for someone. Or let's use another word instead of jealousy. How about the word devotion? I'm so devoted to this person. I seek them out. I, I, must, I must be with them. It's not like, well, I'd like to be or I pine after them. My, my wholehearted desire is for them. Now, I find it interesting that this is connected with a sense of death. And maybe a secondary expression of that is, I love you to the degree that I would die for you. I mean, that is, isn't it, the ultimate expression of a love for another person? Jesus said as much in John chapter 15 and verse 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you keep my commandments. You know, if, you, if you do whatever I say, then you're my friend. And I'm telling you, as my friend, as, as the one who's keeping the things that I say, you're, you're making a commitment to obey. I get that. You're devoted to me. I'm telling you that the greatest expression of love I could give you is to die for you. So there is a kind of reciprocation. I might not literally die for Jesus, but I'm giving over my will. I am dying to myself to the extent I'm going to serve him. He has already demonstrated his great love for me and literally actually dying for me to make possible an eternal relationship. Would that I could just, you know, show my devotion to the Lord by dying. Peter said he would. Peter made that commitment. It's recorded one place is Matthew chapter 26 and verse 35. And there in that text, Peter says, I will die for you before I'd ever deny you. And well, you know, his heart was in it. But eventually he did. He did deny the Lord. He wanted so much, wanted so much, at least as regarded the feeling that, it, that was in his heart to serve him. Just couldn't finish it. Or over in Luke chapter 22 and verse 33, he says, oh, you know, I, I, I would either die for you or I'd go to jail. You know, I, I, I will do whatever's necessary because, Lord, I'm with you. And I know in that moment, right, that that was the intent of his heart. For instance... When the crowd came to get Jesus, it was Peter who drew the sword and cut off the ear of Malchus. Remember the servant of the high priest? He was committed to serve the Lord. Yeah, Lord, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison for you, whatever it takes. But 
Then that thing settled down and Jesus had him put his sword away and he put the ear back on Malchus and they, as much as could be, just peacefully took Jesus away. And there's Peter like, okay. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's happened to us. Full of zeal for the Lord, I'll die for you. I make that commitment, I love you that much, but maybe we get, I don't know, get disappointed. Peter sure did. Or... Some people, they go through with it like Stephen did. He was stoned to death for his preaching of Jesus. His love for Jesus was so great that even in the midst of his stoning, he's looking up for the Lord to receive his spirit. I love that. Or James, not much said about James as he is beheaded for the cause. And yet there, there's another martyr Another one committed to Jesus, he was part of that inner circle of three that was so close to Jesus, dying for him. I don't know, wouldn't that be a grand gesture to die for Jesus? And yet the Apostle Paul, he said, well, you know, truth is, I die daily. I die daily. But that didn't mean he literally physically died but that his commitment of love and jealousy, devotion to the Lord was so great that every single day it was like he was giving himself over to the Lord. And I don't know of anybody who, short of dying, gave so much in service to the Lord. Maybe, maybe that's what we're called to, huh? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 22. He makes a description of himself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three nights I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, perils of the city, perils in the wilderness, perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirsting and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The Apostle Paul suffered every single day. Not just spiritually in the sense that there were disappointments, but literally physically suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. And why did he do that? Because he loved him. And I'm thinking... Us as the bride of Jesus Christ, and then as you, one a member of that body as the bride of Jesus Christ, do you love Jesus? Do you have a love that is comparable, as strong as death? Love is also a flame of fire. He says its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor do the floods drown it. Oh, man, the flame of love. Now, we get that, right? You probably, you can go to the card shop and probably half of those cards will have flames on them. Like, boy, I just, I love you so much. I'm on fire. <laughs> okay. That kind of flame, I don't know. Not so much. But what we're talking about here in this text, to be so engulfed, as it were, in flame for the object of our love, so intense is that love that there is no amount of comparable again, water that could quench it, no flood that would be able to drown it. It is so intense that there is nothing on this earth that can, can put out the fire. Oh, in our love for the Lord. Is that what exists with you? Could you say that I, I am so intensely uh, bound to the Lord, oh, what He has done for me, that I, 
you know, wait a minute, where, where did that all start? How is it that you even learned to have an intensity of love? What would you call a vehement flame? I'm thinking about 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. In that text, we found out that we love him because he first loved us. Okay, now here's the thing. You will never, ever outlove God. And God's already, so to speak, put his cards on the table. I, I know how much he loves me. He loves me so much that he gave his son to die for me, his only begotten son. A, a plan that was fashioned before the foundation of the world, I'm talking about. So here is something in the mind of God that basically transcends all time. And it's manifested in the death. And, and we often have a, an emotional reaction to images of the cross. But right there it is. Jesus demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. So I learn how to love by looking at the way he loved me. Is that an intense love? You better believe that's an intense love. So as intense as the love of God is, I am learning love out of what I imagine or I draw out of or I even experience in my imagination of the love of God. And then it doesn't just fall within the category of imagination because I experience that. The, the closest thing we will ever see to a miracle happens in the baptistry. That is when a person goes from being a sinner to a forgiven child of God. That is a place where a person dies and they are resurrected to new life right before our eyes. Now, I love God for that. And I have an intense love of God for that. So how does it manifest itself? If I ask myself as a member of the church or as part of the bride of Jesus Christ, how does my love then manifest itself in the direction of Jesus? How, how, do, how do I respond to that flame, that most vehement flame of the Lord? How do I bring that back? Well, let me describe for you what the scripture says is that love itself manifested in the church. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse uh, 22. It says, uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are all members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, now, he's described for us the love of Christ for the church, dying for her. He washed her, purified her with his own blood. He says, okay... You want to demonstrate that, love? Then, wife, you respect your husband, and husband, you love your wife. But now, how? Just, again, a kind of pedestrian, just like everybody else does? No. With this, with this vehement fire. You know, have this relationship that, that is intense in its love for one another. Because that is a reflection of the love that's to exist between Christ and his church. And is set as an example to all to see in your relationship. So not only are you benefited and your children as they witness that, but those, those who are around you. They have evidence of that 
that flaming fire of love. And love is also a priceless treasure. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Now, Ken, what does that mean? What do you, what do you mean if a guy would, would give all of his stuff for love and then he'd despise it? Well, it's very simple. I would give anything for love. Give anything and everything for love. Now, it's not this, you know, this general case of love where people are in and out of it. They're really infatuated more than they're intensely in love. not talking about that, remember? We're talking about the kind of love that you compare to the irresistible force of death. We're talking about the kind of love that is a vehement flame. That kind of love, the kind of love that was manifested in God sending His Son to die for me, the kind of love that then in a reciprocal kind of fashion is demonstrated in the intense love of a husband and wife who are under the auspices or the blessing of the church itself. It's that kind of love that has become a treasure that is just practically priceless. A man would give anything and everything in order to experience that kind of love. Why is it so special? Well, it's special because it's present. It always exists. It's special because it is uh, radical. It's unlike anything else that exists. It's special because it never fails. It's special because it's uh, eternal. It's forever. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become as sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there's knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, he talked about faith and hope in comparison with love. We could, we could have thrown in any attribute you like. Uh, joy and peace. Nothing. Nothing measures up as a priceless treasure to what love is. Expressed in these verses is not a definition. It's just an attempt to, to describe the many facets of that love. What love is that? That is the kind of love that you could compare to death as irresistible. It is that kind of love that is a flaming, vehement fire. It is the kind of love that a man would give anything and everything to have. As the bride of Christ... You being a member of the church, therefore a, a participant as the bride. You as the bride of Christ. Do you love Jesus with that sort of intensity? Do you love him so much that you'd give anything and everything to be in that relationship with him? We... we ask, you know, if, if love is so priceless, if it's that intense, how in the world do I get it? You know, how can I have that kind of love? Where do I go get that? 
Well, you can't buy it. It's offered freely. But you have to respond to that gift that is offered you. Now, I've done my best as the text allows to describe just how precious that love is. But in order to have that kind of love that was wrapped up in the suffering Son of God who died on the cross to wash your sins away, you have to respond. You respond in faith and obedience. In faith, we're responding to the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised Him from the dead. And understanding that truth, we recognize our own sinfulness, and so we repent of that. We confess that we believe those things. In obedience, we obey the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That happens in baptism. Faithful obedience will result in my baptism and having the sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, which is, you know, the expression of the love of God to the greatest degree. Coming up out of that water, a resurrected person. And then I have experienced in that moment and those moments that follow the great love of God. You're a child of God. You enjoy that. And I hope you appreciate it. And I hope what we've described today as the intensity of our love is in you. But if you haven't gone through that process, then today you can experience the love of God in your faithful obedience to the gospel. That opportunity is given to you. We'll be singing uh, songs that encourage you in that regard. But since we're in this setting, we're going to have a prayer together. And then I encourage you reach out to your elders or to myself. We'd love to, to uh, counsel with you and hear those great truths in expression as they are in your heart. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you especially today for the description that is given here in this text of unbelievable expressions of love but you've made it believable because we've seen it in you, what you've done for us. So, Lord, we just pray that that's going to be, in true, that's going to be true for us, too, as we express it back to you. Father, there are some, no doubt, that hear these things and see fault in their own life. And I, I pray, Lord, that they'll do their very best to identify what's missing, what's what's amiss, and that they will return to you. And Lord, I pray for those who are seeking you, who haven't yet obeyed the gospel, that they'll be motivated to experience your love through faithful obedience to your gospel. I pray that they will reach out in that regard. Thank you for the power of your word and what it's able to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. singing the old rugged cross. Till my soul.
to Luke chapter 22. This is where we find that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And in verse 14 of Luke 22, it says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before our supper, before I suffer. Each day or each week we come together, and I pray that it's earnestly to come together to partake of this Lord's Supper. He continues in 16, verse 16, For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, from that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And when he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And so we come together today to partake of this bread in remembrance of Christ and his suffering on the cross for us, the gift that he gave for us. If you would, we'll bow at this time. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, the gift that he freely gave for us to sacrifice his life, to give that atoning sacrifice for us so that we may have a home in heaven with you, that we may have that reconciliation to you. Father God, may we put all things aside, all distractions aside as we focus on him and at this time this bread. Lord God, may we take it in a manner that's pleasing to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Continuing on in verse 20. It says, Likewise, after the cup they had eaten, and he says, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Christ spilled his blood for us. He was required to. And we're thankful for that sacrifice, and we now have that opportunity to remember it. If you would bow with me. Father in heaven, we again come before your throne, thanking you for the blood that your son spilled for us. That gives us purity before your throne. If we reconcile to him, Father, we're thankful for this avenue that we have, and Lord God, we thank you for his gift to us. Bless this fruit of the cup now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians 9 and 7, which is, again, we're separate and apart from our Lord's Supper. We take this opportunity to lay aside for... Um, 
the needs of the church and to give and sacrifice in our own ways. Second uh, Corinthians 9 and 7 tells us to set aside as we have purposed in our hearts. And so as you're able to give, you have that opportunity. You can always leave your contributions here at the church. You can go see Brother Billy Martin at First American National Bank here in Boonville. You can mail it into our office, or you can give it online uh, by going to our website, and there's links there to follow to give that. If you would, bow with me as we go to our Father in prayer and thank him for the opportunities to give as we have. Father God, we're so thankful for our jobs and our means that you provide us with to provide for our own families, Lord. And Lord, we thank you knowing that each and everything that we received is a gift from you. Father God, help us to purposely set aside for your works and give back a portion of that which you have so richly blessed us with. Father God, we forget how blessed we are in this country, the things that we have and that we take for granted. Father God, help whatever we provide back to you to be used for your glory and for your kingdom. Father God, may it grow, may it spread, and may these gifts be acceptable to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you very much for joining us today. We are honored to uh, announce the formation of care groups here at the Boonville Congregation. Uh, You can see that uh, we're calling this SALT, Serving and Loving Together. You know from uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. It is so wonderful to be able to focus ourselves on each other and focus ourselves on our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are are a lot of scriptures that deal with how we should uh, behave towards one another. Uh, One of those is found in Philippians, the second chapter, verses three and four. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And we know from scriptures such as Hebrews the 10th chapter, verses 24 and 25, that we are to be an encouragement to one another. Paul talked a lot when he wrote to the church in Thessalonica about how we should behave towards one another. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 through 18, there is uh, quite a bit of information there. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. He goes on to say, be at peace among yourselves. And then later he says, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And a familiar passage in Colossians, the third chapter and verse 16 dealing with our singing, and even in our singing, what we're doing is we're encouraging one another. We have uh, divided the congregation into four care groups, and as I said, we're calling these SALT teams. There are two deacon families that will be supported by an elder family for coordination of each of these teams. We'll periodically reorganize, probably at least on an annual basis, so that over time we can have a closer relationship with every member of the congregation. And, you know, SALT teams are encouraged to have fellowship events, to be involved in service projects, do fun activities. All of this is a way of implementing the intent of the scriptures that I've just referenced. So that you'll know more about this, 
An information packet has been prepared for each family unit, so you can have more detailed information on the purpose of these care groups as well as see which team you're on. The deacons and elders who are involved in each of these groups uh, are in the process of distributing packages to each uh, family unit. And if you want an earlier look at this, we have put a display in the lobby. There lists all the members of the various teams, and there's a brochure that will help you understand the purpose and, and guidance for that. I know that tonight, uh, because of the inclement weather, uh, we will live stream a message for you, but hopefully you'll be able to come back on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for class, and when you do, check out that display in the lobby. On our screen, we're, we're showing the four care group leadership. There's an elder assigned to each of those SALT teams, and two deacon families assigned to each of those SALT teams. And we look forward to you getting to know them better and for us to work together so that truly we will be serving and loving together and that God can see our love for each other and our love for him. As I indicated, uh, we will not have services tonight here, but we will have a live stream lesson. We encourage you to join us at 5 o'clock on social media, and then hopefully we will be back uh, in our classes at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have manifest your love to us through the giving of your son. We know that you have set the bar high and we, we pray, Father, that we will try to emulate the love of Christ in our own life. We pray that your blessings would be with us as we implement these care groups. We pray that through that effort, we'll get to know and love one another better and demonstrate our love to you better. We thank you, Father, for our opportunity to worship thee, and we pray that all that we've done has been pleasing in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.